making waves, inspiring change, opening doors to an equal future. Here on the Trapes and Globe on Wheels Disability Advocacy Podcast, host Ming Canada journeys with an array of guests through the multifaceted world of disability advocacy. Guests will share their insights and will discuss some of today's most crucial questions and topics, as well as provide perspectives into the current disability rights movement and lifestyles of people around the world. Let's make waves together in the disability movement. Enjoy the episode. Tiana Tozer, welcome to Trapes and Global on Wheels podcast. We are so glad to have you. And um, so thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. It's great to be here. So for listeners that are not as familiar with Tiana Tozer, after a career in public relations, Tiana moved to Iraq to become a humanitarian aid worker. In Iraq, she implemented an innovative program that taught people with disabilities how to advocate for themselves and become social change agents. In Sudan, she was the state director in Southern Kordofan, running a program to build government capacity to deliver services before she was extracted from the Civil War. Since being injured by an an intoxicated driver at the age of 20, Tiana has worked to change attitudes about people with disabilities. She lobbied for the ADA, sat on the board of the National Industries for the Severely Handicapped, now uh, Source America. Most recently, she ran an employment program for people with disabilities, a two-time Paralympic medalist bringing home bronze and silver. Tiana was a member of the USA Women's Wheelchair Basketball Team for five years. She has been featured on NBC Nightly News, NPR's Here Now, and The Takeaway. Welcome, Tiana. Thank you. I know you live in Portland, Oregon, to settle in. And how has it changed over the years in terms of wheelchair accessibility? So I chose Portland, Oregon because Eugene is sort of where my life changed, where I became disabled when I was run over by an intoxicated driver. And I just loved Oregon, and I loved the Eugene community. I probably would have gone back to Eugene, except for there are more jobs in Portland. And so I just knew that I always wanted to come back to Portland. Um what I would say about Portland, I would say things everywhere are getting um, are getting more accessible and um, really, really accessible. Um, there's still issues with older buildings and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. um, I feel like accessibility in the states is is good right now. Mm-hmm. In Portland, with the the buses are all accessible, the Max is accessible. There's uh, I do feel that doctors give out way too many handicapped parking permits to people who don't need them. But other than that, I feel like Portland is a really accessible city. The next few questions are on humanitarian work. So I see that you've done some humanitarian work with Mercy Corps in Sudan and Iraq. Um, so what are the challenges for individuals with disabilities who want to do international humanitarian work, especially wheelchair users, since you have that experience? And how can they overcome these challenges? What have you learned from your experience that you can share with others? Well, first of all, I think it's super important that people with disabilities get involved in humanitarian work because people with disabilities around the world are the poorest of the poor, and humanitarian aid does not address their needs. For the most part, people with disabilities, they address their needs through uh, supply projects like crutches and wheelchairs. 
And don't get me started on the free wheelchair mission. If anybody out there is donating to the free wheelchair mission, you are not helping anybody with a disability. Yeah, so they take lawn chairs and they make them into wheelchairs. And it does nothing to improve anyone's accessibility because those countries are not accessible. If you really want to donate a wheelchair to someone in a developing country, whirlwind wheelchair, uh, they have the it's designed so the front can go off like a two foot drop and you can still stay in your chair. But these uh, plastic wheelchairs, um, I hear in Vietnam they don't want any more of them and they keep trashing them so they're just piles of them around. I trashed 50 of them in Iraq because they're just not suitable for the environment. And also we wouldn't sell them here in the United States. So if they're not good enough for us, why are they good enough for people overseas? What I would say to you is, we, so we need more people with disabilities in humanitarian aid work, and we also need more people in wheelchairs. One of the biggest issues is uh, for paraplegics who require catheters uh, and they get them through Medicare or Medicaid, my understanding is you can't use that when you're overseas. Uh, I was working with a young woman from University of Illinois who wanted to go overseas, and that was her biggest issue. She couldn't figure out health care. Health care is a huge issue. Now, if you have a job overseas, uh, you usually have health care. But I'm not sure. It was something about covering the catheters and her um, her supplies that she couldn't do it, which I thought was really disappointing. Yeah, I know that is. If you want to go overseas, first of all, it's not going to be that accessible. So I would definitely, if you're going to a developing country, I'd definitely look into a whirlwind wheelchair or an, a wheelchair. Like I was on one of those outdoor wheelchairs and I know they're way expensive, but the ones with the tracks, so awesome. So something like that would be really helpful if you use a wheelchair overseas. But I think you could get around in a whirlwind and they aren't that expensive. They're only $65 um, because not, and it's not only, you also have to be very flexible because if you use a wheelchair full-time and you're overseas, nothing is accessible. Like hotel rooms, like hotel rooms in Iraq are not accessible. Um, the bathroom doors aren't accessible. Uh, the houses in Iraq, they have these little lips between the rooms. I mean, it's just crazy. I could, I took my wheelchair to Iraq, both my everyday and my basketball chair and I could get around well enough inside buildings, but outside buildings, it was crazy and uh, really not useful at all. I do think, but there are people who use wheelchairs in Iraq and they get around. You just have to be very flexible. I would encourage you to do humanitarian weight, but be prepared for frustrating accessibility. But I think there are also ways if you're a wheelchair user that you can get around the physical barriers, the health insurance barrier, I'm not sure how to get around that because it seems to me like young people in wheelchairs should be able to do uh, internships and work overseas and still be able to access the Medicaid or Medicare that they need um, that for their everyday needs, their activities of daily living. Um, so that would be my recommendation. And also for people who travel, if you are insistent that everything be accessible, I would only travel to countries like Australia and New Zealand. But I feel like it's, it's against the law to discriminate and not provide those services because that would be considered reasonable accommodation. In other countries, Iraq doesn't have this that. This is about five. This is when I was in Iraq or Sudan. I was talking to a young woman at University of Illinois, and she really wanted to do an internship, and I really wanted her to do it. But I think it's Medicaid just said if you go overseas – we won't provide your 
catheters. So she had to abandon that. And it should be against the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Insurance is a human right, in my opinion. Can you elaborate on why it's so crucial for individuals with disabilities, wheelchair users, especially to be involved in international humanitarian work and the specifics of what they can contribute? Well, because able-bodied people are humanitarian aid workers and they don't understand the specific needs of people with disabilities. They don't understand how to do inclusive development. And people with disabilities are the poorest of the poor all over the world, including in the United States. So the UN has these millennial goals, which I think have passed now, but to get rid of poverty. You are never going to get rid of poverty in the world until you address and include people with disabilities because they are the poorest of the poor. And so they have all these programs that are like giving them wheelchairs and crutches, but what they need is they need access to education and they need access to microfinance and they need access to all the other things that humanitarian aid work aid provides to able-bodied people. But they don't get it because there's nobody out there banging the drum saying, Hey, what about people with disabilities? So our next set of questions is on attitudes towards people with disabilities. One in three Americans will experience a disability in their lifetime. One in five are already disabled, dealing with diabetes, ADHD, Asperger's, dyslexia, mental illness. And the cost to the American taxpayer is $260 billion a year, not including unrealized taxes. If any other minority had a 70% unemployment rate, Americans would be Statistics from like the census and actual statistics, and they were relevant in 2016. I'm not sure if if it's increased. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're from 2016. That's right. So why is it okay for, why is the 70% unemployment rate okay in all the other stats I just listed? How can people start changing their attitudes? What are the tangible things that they can do daily to change their attitudes regarding this population? I would start by not making assumptions. Like when I meet somebody, and even if they're wearing a helmet and they're drooling, I talk directly to the person. I never make an assumption about what they're capable of or what they're not capable of. And as I said in my TED Talk, People with disabilities are perfectly capable of asking for help, and it's okay if you let them. You don't have to run up and help them. We can ask for help. Uh, I mean, most of us can, and usually people who can't are out with a with a companion or something. And so I just think we need to start having expectations of people with disabilities and not expecting them to be super crips, you know, like everybody's a Paralympian or all blind people are going to climb Mount Everest, but just that we allow them to exercise their abilities to the best of their ability. And we don't place attitudinal limitations on that, uh, by pitying them or making assumptions about them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's very good. So what is the barrier? biggest barrier to having a healthier attitude towards individuals with disabilities because you know this is not um disability isn't anything new people with disabilities 
have been in, in existence since the, you know, since the beginning of human beings. So what is the barrier that's making people um, have the, the attitude shift? Why, why is it so difficult? I think because people pity people with disabilities and they're afraid to call them on their bullshit. So if I'm being rude and I'm in a wheelchair, nobody's going to say quit being rude because I'm a poor crippled child, right? And so I think that people with disabilities oftentimes get away with behavior that we wouldn't accept from able-bodied people. If you have a disability to believe in yourself and to follow your dreams and not let people place limitations on your ability, and if you don't have a disability, to let people with disabilities define their own abilities and achieve uh, their potential. And I think that people who get angry at that are people who feel entitled. Uh, and this world doesn't owe you anything. And what you do with those opportunities are up to you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and came away with some information that you can now take with you to create your own change. If you would like more information about Trapes and Globe Lawn Wheels, please visit trapesandglobelonwheels.com. And that's Trapesin, T-R-A-I-P-S-I-N. And for updates and other TGOW-related news, follow our social media pages on Instagram and Facebook, both with handles Trapes and Global on Wheels, and then also LinkedIn and Twitter. You can find the links below in the description box or on our main channel page. We sincerely appreciate your support, and we'll catch you again next time.